Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's episode number 457 for Tuesday, the 21st of June, 2016. Nice to have you here. My name's Robbie Ferguson. I'm your host tonight. Please help me welcome our co-host, Shelly De Silva. Hello. Nice to see you, Shelly. Nice to see you guys, too. Tonight, we are going to have a fun show. First of all, we're going to get things rocking by getting back into our 20 weeks of GIMP tips. And tonight, we are going to learn how to use layer masks. And in particular, we're going to we're going to learn how to cut somebody out of a background in such a way that we not only cut them out, but we also keep their hair. Oh. Hair is a really hard thing. And I'm going to show <laughs> you a, th- a way to do it in under 30 seconds. What? It's going to take me longer to explain it, but it, that's how quickly you will be able to do it when you master our technique tonight. Oh. So stick around. We yeah, we can continue on, but oh. that's your cue. Oh. I'm Pinky Denai on our YouTube channel, and um, thank you for your questions and your comments. We're going to tackle those in a bit. And uh, we're going to jump over to the newsroom and see what is uh, coming up. Hey, Jeff. Hey, everyone. Here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. A new ransomware has popped up that uses nothing but JavaScript to do its dirty work. China has once again proven itself to be the world leader when it comes to fast supercomputers, and the next-gen gaming consoles are on the horizon. Walmart is considering robotic shopping carts to follow you around and tell you what to buy, and Windows 10 will soon have a refresh tool that quickly and effectively wipes all software but Windows, allowing you an easy way to get all the junk off your computer. Stick around, the full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Nice to see you. Thanks for joining us this week. It's episode number 457, and I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. Hi, I'm Shelly De Silva. Hi, Shelly De Silva. Hi. What's new? Everything. Everything. I am back. From You're back. Vacation. Yeah. How'd so, that go? Went well. Vacations. Yeah. So I'm numbers. told. I saw some pictures online. Gorgeous, picturesque. Yeah. Can't even believe half the stuff I seen. To Where be were you? I went to the states. So yeah. Honolulu, Oahu. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so you were mountain climbing. Were you or yeah? Yeah. yeah. Swimming nice. with some turtles. Uh, swam in the Pacific. Is it Pacific? I think You're so. asking me. I'd... <laughs> what ocean is over there? <laughs> One of the Great Lakes. Speaking of Great Lakes, you did more traveling, didn't you? <laughs> See, how's that the segue? Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you even know what you were looking at? So you got back from yeah. your big trip to the States, yep. mountain climbing and swimming with turtles. Tuesday, and then I went away Thursday again to yeah. the Great Lakes, six of them. To the to, you went to all to six, mm-hmm. aren't there five? Yeah, apparently there's one more that we didn't know about, Saint Clair. So. Okay, mm-hmm. it just it's like <laughs> Plu, it's like the Pluto of Great Lakes. <laughs> just slide one in there. Just I'm all not right. Sure how that happened? But I saw the pictures of your trip to the states, and even the ones uh, when you're traveling around Ontario to all the the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. So it was six lakes in 16 hours yeah so we hit all of them we actually hit them in 15 we being uh jen james carrie and i so we all so if you've seen new everyday tv you'll know who those folks are Mm -hmm. so were you shooting episodes of new everyday we we did we did a couple of them so it was good cool looking forward to those yeah me too Mm -hmm. uh when i saw the 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 clips and the and the pictures i thought oh i wished that i had 
uh, a drone that I could have sent with you, and you could have crashed it into a mountain. That would have been amazing. I have to show you something really, really cool. This is a drone camera, okay? And it's even disconnected from the drone. It actually has uh, wireless streaming to any iDevice or um, Android device. Okay, so when I bring it up on here, I can actually see from this wireless camera, because this is streamed for, for the drone, yeah. right? So I can actually see on here. But what's really brilliant about it is I can set it up for side-by-side mode. Wow. Do you remember when we, did, uh, when we looked at the Happy Goggles from, uh, from Hap- uh, obviously, McDonald's? Yes. Do you see that? Yep. Oh, look at that. I'm in 3D. <laughs> uh, so let's put this in here. So I've still got the happy goggles because, uh, you know, I hold on to cool things. Well, <laughs> Get your best angles here. Okay, I'm going I'm to throw this in here for you. Okay, I'm going to... Yeah. Whoa. Oh, oh dear. Got to close both sides, shall? You guys see this? How cool is that? It is pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Wait till you see this, though. <laughs> so you're looking at, you know, it's a little itty-bitty camera that fits onto a drone, this but... This is so cool. It is a screen that is like a 50 inch screen whoa you can see our viewers here nice how are they looking tonight looking looking hot people <laughs> sparkly balls what are you wearing <laughs> check this out okay you want me to do the camera work yeah our fancy camera work Ooh, oh, wow. just kind of isn't that cool that is so cool that's this you this is like whoa, happy trippy. goggles inception that is trippy isn't that weird eh how? Hi. <laughs> Hello. Wow, you're rather... Ooh, okay. Going in the mouth. It's not a cavity. <laughs> there you go. How cool would that have been to take with you and just, you know, throw oh, anywhere? So you, you, you fly the drone and you wear the goggles and you can <laughs> see... <laughs> not necessarily happy goggles. <laughs> although I think... <laughs> Because we have happy goggles, we should always wear happy goggles. With the... the resol- it looks so amazing. That would be pretty cool to fly in the canyon. So. Mangle, do you want to take this up to the... Can you show this to the camera? I don't know if this would, uh, if this would translate. Be careful because it'll come out of the ends. But yeah. hold that up to the camera there. Camera. Check this out, folks. You're going to be well out of focus. But she's going she's gonna to do her... Oh. A little lower. Oh, no. Oh, oh, we're well out of focus. It's not, it's not going to do it. You have to use your imagining, folks. Oh, so cool. It's not going to work. But it is cool from our perspective. It is. So it captures it on an app? Or? Yeah, it's an app that, uh, that comes with the drone. And uh, we're looking at all kinds of drones on the Drone Zone. Thanks for trying. Uh, and that's, that's all it is. So it streams to any device in real time. So when you're looking for a drone, and if you go to cat5.tv slash fly, you'll see mm. different types of drones there. And usually if, it's set, if it has um, W at the end of the, the model name, that means that it is Wi-Fi. That means that it will stream to your regular device. That is so cool. Okay. If it's not a W, but it has FPV, <laughs> that means it might, need, it might need actual, like, fat shark goggles or something like that versus mm-hmm. this where you can actually stream to your yeah, phone. Yeah, that's just a normal iPod. This is an iPod Touch yeah. 5, yeah. Um, so it works, works fine, works great. The nice thing about the Wi-Fi, even though, you know, it's 2.4 gigahertz, so you don't get the same kind of... Um, you don't get the same kind of distance as you would with something that's that's uh, like five gigahertz. Um, is that you can actually control your drone from the phone as well? 
So no you can see here, and we're going to show all this on the drone zone, but you can actually control and fly the drone from the Wi-Fi device. So if you don't have it in the goggles, you can do it that mm. way. Cool, eh? That's pretty cool. So, of course, the, the drone camera is, of, is standalone, too. So, you know, mounted on the bottom of your car, you can record oh, yeah. on the app, yeah, that kind cool. of stuff. That's kind of cool. And then to turn it off, you just disconnect the battery. adventurous people. Not like you're adventurous. <laughs> we back up just a couple of moments in the show and just find out how much. So you had a good time? Yeah, it was good. Great. I relaxed. Good. Yep. Very nice. I went away to the cottage this past weekend. Yep. And it was 32 degrees Celsius. Is that 88? I don't know, but that's close. I think 35 is 88. Is it? Maybe. Now it was really hot. It, it was, was really, really super hot. 33 degrees Celsius to 82. Fahrenheit, 91.4. Use way off, girl. So 91, <laughs> 91 and a half degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, so we were at the beach most of the time, having mm. a nice time. So that was that was brilliant. That was really, really nice. Warming up. If you follow at Robbie Ferguson on Twitter, you already know this is interesting. <laughs> I typed. Already know. Yeah. Ever since March 14th, 2012. Uh, the reason this is interesting is because there's only two and three in the number. But this is an actual number. 23,223,323 characters wow. have been typed by these little fingers <laughs> when I'm at my particular computer that actually logs this crazy nonsense. That's nuts. I clicked over 5 million times with my mouse. Million. And I feel it, man. Ah, just want a break. I've been sitting there typing, typing nonstop, clicking nonstop. So this is clicks on Twitter? On it, just the computer oh, with wow. what pulse you can see our what pulse uh, group Ooh. if you want to join cat5.tv slash pulse just like that <laughs> do it yeah all right hey Shelly I'm going to show you how if you are having trouble with your chat application getting into the category 5 free node chat room what you can actually do is head on over to our website and this is a little hint to you as, as well because you keep getting disconnected and i yeah. don't know why and because we're live we're just gonna we're gonna use this as a sense of a demonstration go to category5.tv click on interact and then you see chat room and you can go use our web chat so click on that this is going to bring up a, a tab for you that allows you to in fact connect via your web browser so then start you can give yourself a nickname. If it's already taken, uh, it will probably switch you back to guest anyways. And then it will just load it right up for you, Shell. So if you're having trouble getting kicked out on uh, Pigeon or any other app, hey, mm. there you go. It's as simple as that to get yeah. into our chat room. So you don't have to go through any hoop hoopla setting up applications to get into uh, our public chat. We're there. Uh, you know, Someone's usually there throughout the week, and we're certainly there Tuesday night during a live show. Yep. So nice to have you. All right, Shelly, we've got to take a really quick break. When we get back, we are going to be talking all about the GIMP, GNU Image Manipulation Program, how to take this face, crop it out of the background, and uh, we're going to get around those fine details of your hair as well. That's the tricky thing. I'm going to show you how you can do it really, really quickly. Look at this hair. Just imagine trying to cut that out. At least I can, with me, you can just use a circle marquee. <laughs> like Carl Pilkington or Robbie Inverse. Ferguson, whatever. We'll be right back after this. Jeff Weston, 
Yaman, you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. yeah, I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? You need hosting. One of the things about a hosting account is you don't want to have limitations put on your website. It's true. How much hard drive space do you have? How many email accounts? How many domains can point to it? Well, we've got an amazing deal for you. For a very limited time, cat5.tv slash dreamhost. For just $5 and a bit of change per month, you are going to get unlimited website hosting, unlimited email accounts on that hosting uh, service. You are also going to receive a free domain name. Ooh. So your own .com. Nice. To put that amazing website that you've been working on it's on true. there. If you run, if you want to build a WordPress site, fine. Sign up. Cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Just don't put Panama Papers on it. Just don't do it. But hey, uh, it's a great deal, folks. Best deal you're going to find. $5 and change per month. Go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost. <laughs> Welcome back to Category 5 Technology TV. I am your host, Robbie Ferguson. Hello. Shelly. Nice to see you. And tonight we are looking at the GNU Image Manipulation Program as we continue our 20 weeks of GIMP tips. Tonight we are going to learn how to use layer masks. Ooh, are you familiar excited. with them? Yes. All right, cool. So layer masks are basically an amazing tool that allow you to do non-destructive editing of a layer's transparent areas mm -hmm. so that we can actually cut things out of an image but leave the image intact so that we can go back and change things or it just makes it really really nice so we're going to learn the basics of how to use masks tonight and uh, we're also going to learn how to crop a person out of a relatively plain background in such a way that we're leaving their hair intact so when i say that let's uh, <laughs> what it's a t it's a difficult thing, isn't it? it Have is. you ever had to cut a person out of an image and realize that their hair is something like that? Yikes. Yeah. So could you imagine having to trace around that? Now, Shelly, just before the show, you posed for a photo so that we could include you in this tutorial. Now, your hair is nice and neat, but we do have a little bit uh, kind of hanging out around the edges. So you can see that to crop around that that hair there would be an astronomical amount of work. Look at that lobe. Look at that <laughs> lobe. All right, so let's bring it up into the GNU Image Manipulation Program. Here we go. There's your T-shirt for the week, folks. <laughs> Look at that lobe. There you go. Not talking about Lisa. Oh, great. All right, there we go. Okay. Tonight we're gonna we're first gonna learn the technique. I'm gonna use uh, the photo here of Shelley that we took mm -hmm. just before the show, so that we can learn the technique. I can walk you through things and, and understand how everything works. Then we're gonna show you how quickly this can be done with any photo that has a reasonably plain background. That's the key thing here. So basically, our prerequisite here tonight when we're doing this kind of editing, uh, not so much masks, but bringing someone out of the background using this particular technique, uh, you're going to have to have a plain background, and that's for contrast. Mm -hmm. So you've got dark hair, so we put you against a, a kind of a brown-white wall. Mm -hmm. Beige, I guess, is what you would call brown-white. Right? So there you go. So that's going to give us the contrast that we need against her hair so that we can pull that out. So let's learn the technique as we get into this 
with the GNU image manipulation program, which is available for you as a free download. So traditionally, we're going to use things like the marquee, and we're going to trace around like this. And, you know, that gets really, really difficult once you get into these hairs and start having to cut. Like, could you imagine having to do that for each hair? And it's never going to be, oh, it's never going to be good. Uh, Then the next one that you might try is this um, magic wand tool. Some people will attempt this who are not um, are not necessarily in the know as to how to do this. So let's see what would happen if I were to do that. So using the magic wand, mm-hmm. which is a handy tool sometimes. Let's invert. Let's... Oh, I've got history open there. That's why that's weird. Okay. Magic wand tool. Not the way we're going to do it, but I want to show you the difference here. So let's copy you to the clipboard, create a new layer, and there you are. Okay? So it did a fairly good job of cutting out your torso, but again, the hair, let's get a nice little zoom here so that you can see the edging of the hair. There you have it. Okay? So really, uh, you know, could work if you were putting this on a white background. But if you were putting this on something dark, it's going to show through. See, there it is on white. Not too bad, but watch what's going to happen if I put that on black. Nope. Pretty bad, right? Looks like it's, it's cut out pretty lazily. So that's not how we're going to do things. Let's uh, get rid of those layers and take a look at the original. So I'm going to delete these so that we can start afresh. And first of all, we need to understand what layer masks are. So let's use a square rectangular marquee and just put a nice marquee around your head like a uh, like a frame okay there you go passport photo so now if i go uh, right click on the layer and i go add layer mask and i choose one of these options but because i'm using a selection as my tool let's choose selection and add so now you see what happened is is it kind of cut out everything around it but i can remove that layer mask and it goes back to normal right or i can move that layer mask to another layer for example, so if I've got another layer here, I can drag and move the uh, the mask itself. Maybe I can't in uh, in GIMP. There's got to be another way to do it. Mm, edit layer mask. You know, I'm I'm. Yeah, I could I could. Uh, what I could do is I could go mask to selection, and then go up here and add layer mask selection, and then delete layer mask. And now I've got the mask up here. So now if I fill in this, see what happens? Mm-hmm. I got a little caught up between Photoshop and GIMP, right? Yeah, I've got, I'm used to dragging the, yeah, it's a little bit different. So a mask is, it's important to know what it is. And it's not going to be uh, these little squares. Because if I'm, you know, cutting out a person, I want to be able to, right, like if I cut let's say I actually did that and I created a mask, it would actually pull the background completely out of the image. So that's basically what we're going to do tonight. Experiment with layer masks. Experiment with creating different types of layer masks. When you right-click on the layer after you've, you know, if you're using a selection or whatever you're doing, when you go add layer mask, you see all the different options here. So they do help you to make uh, edits to a photo that are non-destructive. Yeah, I use that on the daily. But clipping mask more in... uh InDesign. No, Illustrator. Yeah? Yeah. So it kind of does the same thing. Clipping mask, that actually deletes, doesn't it? No. 
does it, it creates a mask, a mask but it does remove yeah. without the extra step of having to apply the selection yeah okay so it doesn't delete anything it's just in a little mask in photoshop as a comparison there's also a button at the very bottom of your layers that looks like a almost looks like a camera with mm -hmm. a circle in it like it's a square with a circle and that will just create a layer mask with gimp it's a little different you right click on the layer mm -hmm. choose add layer mask and then choose the type of layer mask um, but either way, I mean, it just goes to show that um, really, as a free tool, the yeah. GNU Image Manipulation Program yeah. is a very viable alternative, oh, yeah. even if even someone like myself or Shelley, who are used to commercial applications, we can transition onto this free application and still do the same stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's free. Get it at GIMP.org. But let's, uh, let's jump into this. Okay, so Shelley, if I wanted to, I could trace around everything in the photo to cut you out. And the problem with that is that is very, very tedious, especially when we get to the hair. So let's, let's start with the hair. This is what's going to amaze us, okay? This is the amazing thing. So we're going to go layer, duplicate layer. So now if you look over here at my layers, I actually have two copies. My base layer is untouched. My top layer, I can do whatever I want to it. And, you know, if I do whatever, I can undo it just by turning off that layer. No problem. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to create a layer mask on the new layer, and this time I'm going to create a layer mask of type grayscale copy of layer. This is kind of interesting. Now remember, we're not actually making the layer black and white. Notice I've turned off the layer underneath, and it goes like that. We're not making the layer black and white. What we've done is we've created a black and white monochrome uh, layer mask. So what is dark is going to be omitted, and what is light is going to be um, kept. That's how the mask works. So what I want to do is, first of all, I want to um, highlight the mask itself. Notice that when I click, I can change between the mask and the, the actual image for my editing. So I want to highlight by clicking on the mask, right-click, and go Colors, Invert. Okay, and you notice how that just pulled Shelly right out of the image. Uh, so now we're going to do a little bit more by increasing the contrast. So we're going to right-click and go Colors, Curves, and you see this shadow spike here? We want to just really accentuate that, bring up the contrast with this kind of an S-curve, and you'll see that around the edges it keeps things nice and clean, but it's quite effectively pulled out the background. So now if I zoom in and look at your hair here, Shell, you see that it's actually pretty good. And I can really see that if I create a new layer and let's add, uh, let's say, a black layer. See that? So you see the hair? Don't mind your teeth. I know, you didn't brush today. Uh, but look at the hair. Okay, so that just gives us a real stark look that this is really, really clean. Watch what happens when I add a white layer behind it. So the hair is still visible, and it completely messes with your face because we've, we, remember, we're still working with a semi-transparent image. Okay, so how do we now fix that? So we know that your hair, being that you have dark hair, and I guess that's the other prerequisite of this particular method, mm -hmm. is that you've got dark hair. Uh, so because of that dark hair, we can now trace around uh, the hair itself in a real kind of sloppy way. Okay, so where before we would have had to copy each little hair follicle, now we can just do a real nice sloppy copy like this. Sloppy copy. Yep, sloppy copy. Okay, and just kind of zoom out a little bit here and notice my marquee is just kind of all around your head but not your actual face, okay? So I'm just gonna get in here, 
and get right into your ear and notice that I don't have to get right into your head because your hair is dark so it's opaque so you notice that it is not translucent like the rest of like your face is okay so now I've got this marquee around there and if I now apply the layer mask so this is destructive so I'm gonna right click on the layer mask itself and apply it so now I've changed this layer to be what you see there now because I've got this marquee of just your hair I can right click and go copy and then I paste and create a new layer from my floating selection and now I've got just your hair floating there and if you look at the hair in that amount of time I've got all those loose hairs that are hanging there mm. see those yep. they're all there but I didn't have to go around and trace around. So now let's jump back to our original layer. And this is where we just need to do the, the finer detail of let's get the rest of you. So we can keep in mind, nice easy thing to do is to actually duplicate our layer of the hair and fill it with a color. So I've put on a, a fill lock here. And now I can just, let's use something like, uh, that stands out like red. And I can color that in like that. And that now shows me where your hair actually is so I can turn on or off that layer so that I can now easily, um, well, you watch. I'm going to create my marquee here. So I'm going to zoom in. So you see I don't want to get up into this area because this has a little bit of transparency. Okay, you can see that in the red. Mm -hmm. Instead, what we want to do is we want to start down around here and avoid those areas that have some transparency because those are basically areas where your hair should be see-through. So now I'm going to cut in here, uh, create my marquee in here. See that? So now I'm getting... <laughs> is that sunburn on your cheek? There you go. So now using this marquee, I'm able to get in here and I'm a, you notice I'm completely ignoring the hair. Okay. So we're going to get right around here. Now I'm being extremely precise here, but you see how um, quick and easy this really is as far as, you know, if you've ever had to cut someone out of a background, this is pretty amazing. <laughs> I saw my colleague today, all the fun things that we've had to do over time being on the show. Designers. Oh, on the, uh, as a graphic being, designer, uh, the requests that we've had. Yeah. Photoshop. Best story. And, oh man. Just interesting yeah are you gonna share well we had a lady one time come in and she had a full mustache going so we had to clear that up well she wanted us to clear it up okay her. so but just rather than, so like rather than cosmetic surgery let's let's do it in photoshop yeah just yeah. requests like that no doubt of all sorts that's fine and these this kind of methodology could be used to take someone and and put them somewhere where they're not yeah Right. Hair oh just, yeah oh, oh yeah why not everything oh man <laughs> so see i'm just oh and i've just messed up a little bit nice thing about gimp is i can move my marquee after it's created how do you like that shell that is cool beans nice eh mm -hmm. <clears throat> almost up to the hairline and boom there we go so now i'm gonna just do the same thing nice little loose within the red area See that? Ba -ba, ba -da -da. And now, if you look at my marquee, it's ignoring the hair. It's kind of in the middle of it, but it is, um, you've got everything else. So now, 
we're going to use um, our, our newly found uh, layer mask. So instead of cutting out the background, I'm going to create a new layer. Notice I've got the layer, the original layer highlighted. New layer mask on that layer. And we're going to now set it to selection and watch what happens. There you go. Okay, so now if I deselect, that's what we have. So very, very quickly, uh, pretty clean. Looks like I missed a little bit of your earlobe. Sorry about that. And I know the lobe was, was something we were specifically proud of. <laughs> so you want to be careful of that kind of thing. But watch this. If we turn back on the layer in the right order. I get my lobe back. Well, we would put your lobe back. I'll copy your lobe from another, co you know, I can fix that. Do, since we're working with masks, do you want to fix it? No. Watch. Mask to selection. Notice that. Okay. Let's get in there. What? I feel attached to my lobe. Yeah, okay, so now I'm gonna get back to my marquee. I'm gonna hold in my left shift key. Mm. And lesson. yeah, and get your lobe. Notice I converted my mask to a selection. Okay, so now I've got that. So now I can delete that mask, create a new mask, selection. Now your lobe is back. Got my lobe okay? back. There you go. So that's, you know, non-destructive editing of layer masks. There you go. So now we can throw a background on that that can be anything at all. Uh, we can put you in a room wherever you want to be. We can, you know, spice things up with just, you know, doing some gradients or something like that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Grab that and boom. There you go. Nice. And your hair is intact. It's all right. School photo. So we learned it? Yes. Good. And we threw in some free stuff there, too. With a little lobe. bit. Yeah, we learned the lobe. All right, so now let's, uh, let's always save our work. Save it as an XCF in, in the GNU Image Manipulation Program, and that's going to store the, uh, the, the layers, layers, changes, and everything so that you can go back to it. Okay, so let's jump back to our available images here. So we've got a couple of images. There's a crazy hairdo right there that would be really, really hard to get around. There's another one. That's insane. What do you want? A or B? A or B? B. All right. B. Feeling saucy. Look at that hair. All right. So this would be a nightmare for somebody who doesn't know this trick. So I'm going to show you once again. All right. So we're going to go. Layer. Duplicate layer. Times a ticking. <laughs> Are you counting? 66. Do you think I can do it in under 30? Oh, no, Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, sure. Yeah, let's see what I can do. All right. Let's see what I can do. See what I can do. Da, da. You want to sing for us? Um, I don't know how. Oh, okay. Give us a beat, Rob. <laughs> oh, that was neat. That you was like fast. that? Da, da, da. Are we up to 10 seconds yet? I'm kidding. Not actually timing it tonight. But look at your speedy fingers go though. Yeah. Her hair's you know? gonna be done in no time. Whoa. Remember, she's got dark hair, so I don't have to get too precise on the hair. Mm -hmm. How nice is that?
haven't finalized my selection. Mm. Come on. Come on. Get in there. There, there we go. We that backed me up just by about three seconds. There you go. One. All right. So now let's uh, let's take that image. Now we can throw the whole thing in our clipboard with copy visible. And uh, where do you want to throw her? Um, Grab a background off of Google image search. On a boat. On a boat. Let's call her Wendy on a boat. All right. Boat. And we're going to go search tools, usage rights, labeled for use with modification. We need a, a nice windy boat. Uh, what do we got? What do we got? I don't know. Hmm. Need like a close-up that we can stick her on this boat. Notice that I'm just, the timer stopped, folks. I'm already done. It's done. It's as easy as that. that was a How can split. it be so hard to find a boat, Shelly? Well, when you have search tools. Boat close-up. There we go. That's a good idea. Ba -da -da -da. No way. throw her anywhere. Uh, let's just, you know what? What do you got? Windy. Does that work? Oh, yeah. All right. How about that? Wow, that person's that really bent backwards. Yep. Okay. Let's look at the, attri the attribution. Jonathan Miski Windy from Jonathan Miski. Look at him. So clever. Thanks for making that available. All right. Let's, uh, let's bring that up. So I've copied the URL. Go file, open location, and paste. And it doesn't let me do it that way from this particular website on Flickr, so let's throw that onto our hard drive and jump there. And let's grab that. Whoop. And over here, file. J Open. M. Tropical Island. I was thinking that too. Look good? There Isn't we are. A boot in Canada? A boot? A boot. Layer to new layer. There she is. You want a flipper? Oh, yeah, the, the wind is kind of blowing <laughs> the other way, eh? <laughs> yeah. All right, so layer. Legit. Yeah, totally legit. Flip horizontally. There we there are. There you go. Look no at her. Way. And uh, now we just need to touch up those, uh, those levels a little right bit. So time. do you think so? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, let's fix the levels because she's in a, a pretty sunny spot. Let's get that all kind of cleaned up. There we go. Bring in a little bit more shadows on her face. Uh, there we She's are. Enjoying That's this pretty day. good. That's pretty cool. You know what? However, whichever side you want to flip her on, <laughs> it's going to be wrong. <laughs> really? I don't know. But it's pretty cool. You see her hair? That's so Look cool. at her hair. You're right, Robbie. That would be a nightmare. And we've got it on that background. Very no problem. Nice. How beautiful is that? There you have it. Week number 14 of 20 weeks of GIMP tips. We did it. There you have it. Show us what you come up with. If you're able to pull someone out of the background, throw it our way, and uh, we'd love to see what you, what you do, what, you, what you're able to build. It doesn't have to be a person. I mean, pull a cat out of a photo. And make them fly in a tornado. Oh, that's funny. That actually happened. What? Yeah, I'm serious. Well, there you have it. Thanks, folks. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. Shelly De Silva. Hello. Over here. And we're going to jump right over to the newsroom. I know Jeff is standing by. He's remote. And uh, Jeff, straight over to you. 
It's Tuesday, June 21st, 2016, and here are the stories we're covering this week. A new ransomware has popped up that uses nothing but JavaScript to do its dirty work. China has once again proven itself to be the world leader when it comes to fast supercomputers. And the next-gen gaming consoles are on the horizon. Walmart is considering a robotic shopping cart to follow you around and tell you what to buy. And with Windows 10, you're soon going to have a refresh tool that quickly and effectively wipes all software but Windows, allowing you an easy way to get rid of all the junk software off your new computer. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category 5.TV network by shopping at GearBest. That's right, Jeff. Uh, Cat5.TV slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well, of course. I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, Because Cat5.TV slash GearBest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock-bottom prices. Do they have cell phones? You betcha. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets. What about uh, consumer electronics? Those make a great gift. Absolutely. From high-tech watches to action cameras, headphones, even virtual reality headsets. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has you covered. They literally have it all, Jeff. Literally. Really? It's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb. Yeah, there's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, What about clothes? Yep. Both men and women, fashionable apparel at rock bottom, super duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than $30 plus free shipping at cat5.tv slash gearbest. All right. You kind of got me there. Wow. Any other questions for me, Jeff? Uh, now that the winter has passed, flying season. Do they have any good deals on, say, drone copters? Oh, my goodness. Well, check this out. Dude, they have everything. Check out over 500 various drones. And not only that, they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63% off the regular price. Love it. What's the website again? Well, you're going to find GearBest on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Every Day, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, But of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash GearBest. See, that's easy cat5.tv slash your best. That's right. Happy shopping. I'm Jeff Weston, and here are the top stories from the Category 5.tv newsroom. Security researchers have discovered a new strain of ransomware coded entirely in JavaScript, which could increase its chances of being activated. Unlike executable program files, JavaScript documents do not always trigger a security warning on Windows or require administrator access to run. Named RAA, the malware is disguised as a document and starts encrypting files immediately when opened. One security expert said the approach was likely to fool many victims. Ken Monroe of security company Pentest Partners said, It's an interesting approach to ransomware. Using JavaScript as an attachment to an email is likely to result in many victims accidentally installing it. The RAA ransomware was discovered by security researchers known as Ben Cow and James WT. 
It's sent to victims by email, and if opened on a Windows machine, uses the Windows-based script host to run its code. Typically, an executable program such as a .exe or .bat file would be automatically screened and blocked by the operating system, but Windows allows .js files to run. If opened, the randomware sets about encrypting the victim's files and displaying a ransom note written in Russian. It demands a fee of $250, uh, or £171, for the files to be restored. In April, Microsoft reported that it had seen an increase in malware being spread through JavaScript email attachments, and in a blog post said, It's interesting to note that an Office attachment with malicious macros typically requires two or more clicks on the document to run it. One click to open the document, and another click to enable the macros. On the other hand, the JavaScript attachments only take one or two clicks to start executing. The best thing to do to protect yourself is to not open any email attachments that you don't specifically know to be trustworthy. You know, what's interesting about this story is I'm not surprised. Like, there's always somebody out there trying to find a new way of getting ransomware on somebody's computer. So this is just one more way they're going to do it. You have to be vigilant, people. Be aware of what you're doing. Don't open those emails that you don't know about, who they're from, all that kind of stuff. Just be smart. All right, a new supercomputer from China has topped the latest list of the world's most powerful machines. The 93 petaflop... Really? Petaflop? Who's going to name a fast computer a petaflop? Anyway, flop's in the name. That just doesn't... Uh, anyway, I digress. The 93 petaflop uh, Sunway Tahu Light is installed at the National Supercomputing Center in Wuxi. At its peak, the computer can perform around 93 uh, trillion calculations per second. Sorry, that's 93,000 trillion calculations per second. That's a big number. It's twice as fast and three times as efficient as the previous leader, uh, Tenhei 2, also from China, said Top 500, which released the new list yesterday. Its main applications include advanced manufacturing, weather forecasting, and big data analytics. It has more than 10.5 million locally made processing cores and 40,960 nodes and runs on, get this, a Linux-based operating system. That's right. For the first time since the list began, China has overtaken the U.S. with 167 computers in the top 500, while the U.S. has 165. Top 500 said, considering that just years ago, China claimed a mere 28 systems on the list with none ranked in the top 30, the nation has come further and faster than any other country in the history of supercomputing. This is kind of a cool story. I didn't even know there was a top 500 list for supercomputers. Uh, but that's a whole lot of calculations. I, I mean, I just bought a new computer and I thought it was fast. Not so much compared to this. Then again, I don't have that many processors or nodes to play with, so I guess that makes sense. A two-generation jump in process technology is disrupting the gaming industry, PC gamers and console first, uh, console first customers alike. The NVIDIA's GTX 1080 has usurped the Titan, and AMD's, AMD's RX 480 has undercut every VR-ready uh, graphics card, while Microsoft is preparing to break tradition with a pair of mid-generation console updates. The technology was already there, but both AMD and NVIDIA stayed back from migrating to the 20 nanometer process designs from their graphics chips. 
the 20 nanometer process was found to be poorly suited for demanding graphics applications, but AMD and, AMD and NVIDIA have now found success using the newer 14 nanometer and 16 nanometer schemes, respectively. There's been leaks in enterprise applications of the new tech, but its rival was telegraphed through rumors about modular consoles. Going into the E3 last week, there were expectations that Microsoft and Sony would both show off the PlayStation Neo and Project Scorpio. Neither one of the new consoles showed up during E3, but they were both officially confirmed. Microsoft, however, did show off the Xbox One S. With Sony set to launch the first console-powered VR headset this fall, few people may have been completely blown away when rumors emerged asserting that the company was preparing a higher-powered console to complement the PS4. Sony hasn't confirmed any of the specs of Neo, though unconfirmed bits of information have offered a sketch of the upcoming console. Microsoft, on the other hand, filled in a few blanks on the Project Scorpio spec sheet. Sony's Neo is expected to deliver 4.14 teraflops of power, while the Xbox One is supposed to deliver 6 teraflops. Neither of the new consoles have been given a firm release date, but Microsoft has indicated that Project Scorpio won't come until next year. Meanwhile, PlayStation Neo, despite missing E3, is rumored to be launching later this year. Now, Walmart is considering robotic shopping carts to follow you around and tell you what to buy. The company is reportedly collaborating with Five Elements Robotics to help consumers ease the burden of pushing around the shopping cart, all while offering up suggestions to shoppers. The report came from last week's Bloomberg Technology Conference and follows another that Walmart was looking at ride-hailing services to offer at-home delivery to customers. Now, Walmart's technological ambitions are becoming clear, and both moves could offer up a bit of insight into how it plans to compete with online stores and have taken a bite out of the store revenue for the better part of a decade. This is an interesting story. I mean, knowing a little bit about how grocery stores work and the fact that, you know, you can pay to put your products on a certain shelf and all that kind of stuff. This is a whole new revenue generating stream from Walmart that they tote as being, oh, helping the consumer. You come to our store, this cart will follow you around and give you some suggestions. I bet you those suggestions are all going to be ads. It'll be somebody saying, uh, you know, hey, we'll spend this much money uh, to have your shopping carts promote our product. That's what I think it's really all about. It's just money for Walmart. That's my guess. No information on that, just my speculation. All right, Windows 10 has already included ways to clear out applications and data to repair misbehaving systems or prepare them, from, prepare them to be sold, courtesy of the refresh and reset features added in Windows 8. Now, Microsoft is adding a third option, which is a new refresh tool. Currently available only for Windows insiders, the new tool fetches a copy of Windows Online and performs a clean installation. The only option is whether or not you want to preserve your personal data. Any other software that's installed will be blown away, including the various applications and utilities that OEMs continue to bundle with their systems. The tool is currently in preview and has some quirks. It installs a preview build from the fast track, but Microsoft notes that the new tool can sometimes install a version older than the one currently installed. When this kind of version mismatch occurs, the option to preserve your files is removed. As Microsoft approaches the release of the Windows 10 anniversary update and tries to nail down the last major bugs, preview users should expect a regular series of minor updates that clean up some of the remaining rough edges. Kind of an interesting feature uh, and says something about Microsoft and their system, given the fact that you have to keep 
wiping out extra software that you don't want. At least that's my take on it, because anytime I open up a Windows machine, it's, hey, we've got some new software you don't actually need, but we think you should have it. Uh, that's just me. Not a fan of Windows. Big thanks this week to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you found a news story that you'd like to submit, email it to the Category 5 newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For all your tech news with a very slight Linux bias, check out the Category 5 newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the Category 5.tv newsroom, I'm Jeff Weston. Thanks, Jeff. This is Category 5 Technology TV. It's episode number 457 for Tuesday, the 21st of June 2016. So nice to see you. Thanks for joining us. I am Robbie Ferguson. Hi, I'm Shelly. Hiya, Shelly. Pumped up on caffeine. Is it working? Yes. Good. I should probably have caffeine. I'm drinking water. What was I thinking? Rain juice. And I hear you've been on YouTube checking out the chats and the com- yeah. conversations going on there. And we got some questions. And Do some we? Comments. Oh, good. Mm. All right. I, I go. hope they've been filtered. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> From George Navavulus. George Navavulus. Hey, uh. Hey, George. Right. Is it possible to store snapshots to an external disk? Oh, okay. So referring back to last week's and the weeks before uh, episodes talking about LVMs. Can you save an LVM snapshot to an external disk? Well, okay. First of all, go back to episode number 456 and just re-evaluate what snapshots are. They are the temporary storage. Short answer, yes, you can. But let me answer just a little bit more thoroughly. The snapshot itself is not the backup, okay? The snapshot is... um, to allow you to make a backup. So what you'd be better to do is plug your external drive in, run your snapshot on your LVM group, then copy everything to the the external drive. Then remove the snapshot, unmount the drive, and that's, I think, what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Now, to answer your question literally... The answer is yes. What you would do is you would actually add, uh, you could, you can add, and one of the nice things about LVM is you can extend arrays. So you can add another hard drive, be it internal, external, whatever it is, and actually add it to your logical volume group, thereby extending the capacity of the group. But then if you want to unplug that external drive, you would have to then deprecate it from the logical volume group. You'd have to make sure that none of the logical volumes actually extend onto that drive. And then you would have to potentially replace it with another drive if you unplugged it. So it's not an ideal solution by any stretch. However, like I say, literally to answer your question, yes, it could be done. But then it would, not, it would defeat the purpose of being an external drive because you would be, it would be tied in it would be stationary and you couldn't unplug it because it's now part of the logical volume group okay so do back up a little bit and say okay no what i want to do is i want to create the snapshot within my logical volume group run the backup to the external drive then remove my snapshot and remove the external drive okay i think that's more what you're going for 
All right. We'll talk about uh, how to do that on coming episodes. We're going to talk about how to use uh, the tools that are included with LVM in order to uh, extend our our drives. But we're not going to do it, or, or our logical volume group, we're not going to do it specifically for external drives. We're going to do it so that if you wanted to add more capacity to your logical volume group, rather than taking the approach that we did last week on episode 456, where we uh, took a logical volume and shrunk it, uh, instead, what you could do is add another drive and then extend the logical volume, thereby giving your logical volume group more space. So then your logical volume is still the same size. You can then make it bigger. And then it spans across multiple disks. Okay, so that's a little bit of a different approach. We're going to learn all about that stuff. We're not doing LVMs tonight. We're taking a bit of a break. Mm-hmm. You're like, yes. <laughs> it's a- incredibly geeky. Watch back. It is crazy geeky and awesome and fun. You want to see it for sure. Thanks for the question. Yep. From Primosoma. Can we trust password apps if they're open source, such as KeePass? Oh, we were talking about, I think it was a news story. And, and Jeff and I oh. and Sasha, I, or no, not Sasha. Sasha wasn't here. So we were, we kind of digressed a little bit about password managers i can't recall and keypassx being open source uh i think the comment is that hey maybe we can we can trust keypassx because uh, the open source community can evaluate the software can see that it is safe that our passwords oh we were talking about the smartphone app the theory that a smartphone app was was creating fake passwords on all these accounts so that they the hacker could get into those accounts that's what it was. Watch back on episode 457. We talk about a lot of stuff wow. here. Yeah. Thank you for the comment. And I, I agree. Uh, open source is a great thing. Mm-hmm. One of the neat things about open source is that when someone tries to inject something malicious, okay. somebody catches it. I remember when um, there was some tracking code that was injected into the Linux kernel. Mm-hmm. And it took a matter of hours and somebody had already patched it and wow. corrected it yeah. because somebody caught that somebody had tried to inject this into the kernel. So there was a small window where, yeah, maybe some people installed the updated kernel yeah. and got that bad code. But within two hours or three hours or something crazy like That's that, good. it was already patched and fixed. And similarly, I mean, KeePassX being open source, we can evaluate the code. We can see that it is safe and it's not doing anything kind of untoward with our passwords sharing them with third parties there we go good comment thank you from c128d did either of you guys try looking at the front of the case you can clearly see the two hot swap bays below the optic drive the two red squares would be the latches really (laughs) jeff bought a new computer through our partner links and we were trying to figure out what the header on the inside was so if those are hot swap bays See, it looked like it was just kind of tacked on there. It, it, in the inside of the chassis, it didn't look like it was a part of a tray system. It just looked like it was like stuck on to the back of uh, an empty um, section of the case. I didn't realize, okay, no, no, we didn't look at the front, did we? Whoops. Good point. Mm-hmm. Because that header had two SATA ports, which would be inputs, and... I guess the fan headers could have been to keep the the chassis cool. Maybe there are fans within that. 
Good one, C one twenty AD. Yeah, I'm gonna look it. into that closer. I'm gonna I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get Jeff to take a look. See if it's they see caught if that's that though. Was. That's good. Well done. Tom Evans, hello, total tech noob here. How do I come out of a SSH and return to the RetroPie menu? RetroPie menu. RetroPie. So we're on RetroPie. We've gone into the terminal, not SSH, uh, because you're trying to get back to the RetroPie menu. So you're not going to do that through SSH. What SSH is, is that's when you're on another computer and you've remoted into, this is semantics, and, I'm, and so take this as the lesson is what SSH is. SSH allows me to now take my, say my laptop, sit at my laptop and remotely connect to the terminal on the Pi so that I can do stuff. Okay. It's pretty handy, and if you look at our tutorial on how to use screen, it will also help you so that you can do things like, uh, like crawl through for thumbnails or whatever you want to do, run a, an app to get update and upgrade on your Raspberry Pi, and you can do that safely through SSH. So that's a remote connection. So what you mean is you've jumped into terminal by pressing F4. So that's not SSH. You're actually in the bash terminal or uh, bin slash SH or whatever it is on the Pi. Um, so in order to get back to it, the command is emulation station, and it's all one word. Uh, and that's the that's basically that menu that you're used to. So when you're in RetroPie and you've hit F4, you've gone to the terminal. And when you're done doing your thing, type Emulation Station, just like that, and it'll boot right back up for you. You can also do things like uh, type sudo space reboot, and it will restart the system. Uh, that's another thing that you can do if you want to get back in from you know from the get-go, like a, a safe reboot. Or if you want to turn it off, type sudo space halt. And that will safely turn it off. Thanks for the question. Neat. RetroPie is a great, great uh, OS for the Raspberry Pi. Retro gaming. Is that? Yeah. Like yeah. to make it into a console gaming system. Yeah. We have a lot of fun with it that. at home. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned things. All right. We have some do you have more? Yeah, I do. Wow. Interesting stuff from Bo Diddley. Hey, Bo Diddley. Do you want, is this pretty technical? Bo Diddley is a techie. He knows do you want me to touch this stuff. one? All right, we're lo- we're looking at LVM here. This is Bo Diddley on uh, on YouTube. Posted this about a week ago. Uh, the main problem with the default LVM install on Ubuntu and derivatives is that the boot partition slash boot uh, is too small at only 256 megabytes. Uh, this becomes a problem when doing system upgrades or updates. Uh, when you do an upgrade to the kernel, for example, Linux does not automatically remove the old kernel versions, which means that your boot partition fills up. You might think, oh, I'll just shrink and extend the partition and resize my boot partition, but not. Uh, shrinking your extended partition without first shrinking your logical volume will break and corrupt your file system. Uh, another uh, another problem that uh, that Bo Diddley has run into is uh, using L- uh, when using LVM is trying to recover from a power failure. When you don't properly shut down your OS, it leaves the file system in an unstable state. Currently, Grub has no idea on how to fix the state of an LVM. There are some workarounds that can help in both situations, and uh, Bo Diddley gives us some of those. Um, first of all, app get auto remove, uh, which will clean up the uh, the stuff there, and uh, and a couple more suggestions from Bo Diddley. Check out the comment, uh, and what I'll do is I'll post a link in the uh, in the description below, um, so that you can get the commands that Bo Diddley, Bo Diddley is sharing with us. So first of all. Boat Italy, thanks for the comment. Love the the techno babble being amended to the uh, to the techno babble that I have submitted uh, by way of video. So thanks for that. Um, I am a firm believer in battery backups, UPSs, uninterruptible power supplies. All of my systems have it. 
that is a battery unit that keeps your computers running in the event of a power loss. It's not a surge protector. Well, it is, but it also is battery backup. A surge protector, if your house gets hit by lightning, which is incredibly rare, and the power goes up and it spikes from 120 or 240 volts up to 500 volts, Uh the surge protector will stop the surge so that your computer does not get destroyed. Hypothetically, that's the plan. It does nothing for the real problem that we face with electrical devices in that what are we more likely to are we more likely to get hit by lightning or to have the power go out power mhm when the power goes out does it always go from 120 down to zero no what what does it do the lights flicker and and it drops down and there's a hum from the furnace and and it it go you can see in the lights that it drops down mm-hmm. because you go from 120 to 90 and your computer goes <laughs> not enough power uh, SD cards that are plugged in, USB flash media gets fried, um, damage to the systems, capacitors go pop, um, and there's no protection from a surge protector for those kinds of problems because it's lower power, not higher. So UPS now takes it and says, oh, it's dropped down to 120, so I'm going to keep it up here by way of battery. Okay, so if a surge happens, it will keep it at 120. If a drop happens, it'll keep it at 120. I'm using uh, Canadian standards here. Uh, It may be 240 where you are, but you get the idea. So it protects against both ends of that spectrum. So, uh, so Bo Diddley, I really recommend, uh, and I like your comment uh, that you know you need to be mindful that LVM can become corrupted in event of a power failure. Uh, That could have to do with journaling in the file system. Uh, You may have to run extfs on the file system. I'm not too sure. Uh, all of the problems that you may encounter there, but a UPS will keep that system running for you in the event of a power failure. And you can even set it up to safely shut down your computer should that happen. Um, so that's core, uh, you know, pretty key. Um, as far as cleaning up your kernels when you up, upgrade your kernels, um, typically what I'll do is I'll install the LVM meta, or not the LVM, the meta package for, um, for example, Linux dash, um, what is it? Linux dash, I want to say headers, it's not headers, image. Linux dash image dash AMD 64. If you install that meta package, it will automatically keep your kernels up to date. And I believe it will clean up the old ones too um, because they'll be added. You'll see them added to the removal list when you do an app get dist upgrade or upgrade, I think. But that meta package is a, is a savior when it comes to, um, you know, if you have a missing kernel or whatever, it will always keep you up to date. Good comments. Thank you. And again, links below uh, in the description uh, to Bo Diddley's comment so that uh, you can take a look at what he's suggested there. What else have you got for me? Mark Bila. First of all, congratulations Mark. for your videos and educational way used. Yeah, hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can help me. I have a mixer, Bing Ringer. Did I say that? Oh, right? uh, Behringer. Behringer. That's what we got here. Behringer. We're using a Behringer. X2242 USB, which is connected to my PC. I would okay, like to so it's USB, a USB audio mixer. Oh. What is that? It uh, lets you plug in microphones, external audio sources, oh. and works as a sound device so that you can I- I add that to your computer and use it to capture audio Neat. for recording or broadcasting or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. I would like to use it for streaming Wirecast, but the problem is I'm using videos and sound from the same computer I'm streaming 
that I'm streaming and recording from. I plugged headphones and microphones in, but I listen my, to myself twice. What a horrible delay. If I use the headphones um. output, because Mixer gets signal from the computer you, through USB, any solution. Ah, you're getting an echo. Yeah. For example, hello, hello, hello. That's exactly what's happening. Okay. There are a couple of things. So you need to be able to mute your audio while you are speaking. It's, it's a microphone, right? Um, can I show you quickly, if I could add a shot to our Wirecast installation here, then I would actually be able to bring up the screen for you. So just bear with me here. I'm going to see if it's possible. Uh, Wirecast. Yes. There we go. Okay. I think that worked. No, it didn't. Oh, wait. So what I'm doing here is I'm adding a new shot to Wirecast. Add local desktop presenter. I love Wirecast for this kind of stuff. There you go. So you can actually see the software that we're using to broadcast tonight. Okay. Over here on the right-hand side is a little headphone um, icon. That is the local mute. So this is, hello, hello, hello. See the feedback? We have a compressor, so it never gets too over the top. But if I turn that off, okay, now when I turn up my audio, so you can still hear me, the broadcast can still hear me, but there's no feedback, okay? So what I do is I have a dial volume knob over here on my amp that I turn down. Um, to, to effectively do the same thing. But this is how you do it. You use that headphone jack mute, and then you're not going to get the feeding back, okay? So then the other thing to check is that on your, audio, uh, on your shots, so here's the shot that we're currently using. Uh, let's actually edit this shot. And that's not going to show. I want to show you this actual shot. Let's see. See if I can get a different disc desktop presenter. Nope. Well, nope. do you see the shot right there? That's the shot that we're currently using. And what we want to make sure of is that we don't have multiple audio sources. And that can be your camera having an audio source built into it. Um, let's see if I can... I'm going to show you how I added a Wirecast shot here. Um, new local desktop presenter oh you can't see the dialogues that's funny no. okay can i just do window select all applications does that one work <laughs> this is on the fly eh? like i'm crazy to do this on the fly let's see try this one there we go it's a new shot does that one nah sorry guy so I can't I can't show you the editing dialogues, but what you need to know is that your your video shot has the audio sources in layers basically. So if you have your camera shot, you need to go to the audio um, portion, the audio tab of that shot, and mute the camera's microphone, the built-in microphone. Okay, that's the other thing, and then. Um,